It's This Week in Bourbon, where we can't pronounce our Scotch geographies properly. And here's your headlines for February 4th, 2022. Heaven Hill has now acquired Widow Jane and Few Spirits. Diageo has said demand is now depleting stocks of Crown Royal Whiskey, Lagavulin Scotch, and Don Julio Tequila. And Rabbit Hole has unveiled the inaugural release of its distillery series with their Starlino Rye Whiskey. But before we get started, here's a quick word from our partners. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another great episode of This Week in Bourbon coming right at you. And before we get started, I, I liked, I don't, we usually don't talk about topical things like the weather when we do our regular podcast because we batch record them about like right now, but they're not going to come out until May or June or July. But right now, the winter storms are, are wreaking a havoc. I should be packing to be on a plane to head to Florida tomorrow, but. The uh, the weather gods had something else in store for me this week, so I'm just gonna be sitting at home, you know, just probably staycation. drinking, yeah, staycation. Um, probably just making my own margaritas at home, a little bourbon. It's unfortunate. It's time to, it's time to step up your TikTok game. Get back on that. I know. do need to get back <laughs> on it. You're right. It's it's I, I've fallen off. I I I go through and I I get through these spurts of 
scrolling through and finding something interesting. And then, yeah, after a while, I'll end up just kind of taking a break. But I do need to get back on there. It's just one of those great untapped resources that I need to figure out how to convert some of those people into podcast listeners as well. I'm sure Lauren will be thrilled. Hey, honey, instead of Florida, <laughs> we're going to shoot TikTok videos all weekend. What do you think? Sound good? <laughs> yeah, I know. I Actually, no, I got a good idea. Maybe we'll see if she does this because, you know, Lauren she did a lot of podcast editing is I'll give her brand names and we'll have to, she'll have to think of like one or two words of what she associates with them only from understanding and listening to the podcast and see if she knows. Like if I said, Book, oh, wow, that'd be a like, fun game. Like what would she say? You know? Uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see that. That would be good. See, I'm already, see the ideas, they're, they're already coming. Already coming. Let's go ahead and we'll uh, we'll start off with a little bit of a, uh, I guess, a correction. I think I got three emails or four emails in the last week, plus a few DMs of people that said, guys, it's not Islay, it's Illay. Like, it's not, because we talked about the the Chattanooga finished Scotch cast last week, and it's just, it's Islay or Elay or whatever it is, but that's a, it's a silent S in there, so... Apologies to to all of our listeners out there. Now you know we don't know shit about scotch. Yeah, I mean we are from Kentucky, so excuse our. Uh, <laughs> we say we call Athens Athens or Athens Versailles and Versailles Versailles Versailles. So it just comes with the territory. So lay off of us. And yeah, who cares we, about scotch anyways? <laughs> we pronounce our s's around here. That's how it works. That's right. Let's talk about the big first headline. This, I mean, this is big news. This is one of the biggest acquisitions that's happened in a while. And Heaven Hill has acquired Samson and Surrey, including its portfolio of brands and facilities. And this acquisition further extends Heaven Hill's portfolio with six high growth and super premium brands in several of the industry's fastest growing categories. So under the leadership of Robert Furness Rowe and Juan Roviera, Samson and Surrey has built a remarkable portfolio of highly differentiated premium brands growing at 60% per annual or annuum, tracking around $40 million in sales. And they're presently in over 30 markets nationwide. And in this acquisition, they are taking Tequilo Ocho, Widow Jane, American Whiskey, Few Spirits, Bren French Whiskey, Blue Coat Gin, and Mezcal Vago. The company will continue to operate as an independent division of Heaven Hill, led by Robert and Juan. So this was pretty big news this week, and it, uh, it's kind of good to see that these distilleries and these companies are still looking at acquisition targets here as as even the market continues to grow. Yeah, this one was uh, unexpected for sure. I, that was the last two brands I'd ever think Heaven Hill would acquire, but uh, hey, good for them. Congratulations. Widow Jane is an awesome brand they've had a great track record, putting out great products. Uh, you know, Lisa Wicker's awesome. Um, so now she gets, I, I think when you texted me, I said, well, now Lisa gets uh, high Access eight, Heaven to, Hill yeah. products to blend with. So good for her. Congratulations to them. And I'm not too familiar with Few Spirits, but uh, I know they've made a big wave in the Midwest kind of markets. And uh, this, is, this is one time, uh, you know, you always when heaven hill does something i was like gosh i wish they were a public company because you could find out what they bought the company for or what they're doing you know but uh we'll never know we won't know we don't know but it is interesting to kind of see this happen i mean everybody's always said oh it's you know four roses is going to be the one that gets sold or it's barrels going to get bought or somebody like that but this was one that you kind of looked at was like oh okay didn't see this coming but it's also really cool to again see these companies that are are looking out 
and seeing where is the growth rate going. I think it's also interesting that people should probably know is that, you know, Heaven Hill, you know, bourbon is only just a small portion of their portfolio. Like they've got so many brands and that's why they, that's why they're, they go by Heaven Hill brands. They don't go by just Heaven Hill whiskey and, and having that. And so they are, they're really into a lot of different spirits that are out there. And that's what makes up the, the vast majority of their portfolio. Yeah, it's gosh, yeah. Now this adds even more skews to that label room. <laughs> it's <laughs> like already the biggest label room in the planet. Hell yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> so there's another story that was it, it didn't really, I guess, it broke. It was a it kind of put it out there on Instagram, but this was also coming from Wes Henderson. He put it out on his, I guess you could say, his personal Instagram and Facebook pages that he is retiring from Angel's Envy. So he was a former guest of the show, uh, I think two times guest of the show, and we got to kind of hear the story of how he started Angel's Envy. But this was part of his sort of going away, I guess, or announcement of what it was. And he said, founding and building Angel's Envy with my father and later my sons has been one of the greatest highlights of my life. I feel truly lucky to have had the opportunity to share our whiskey and our story with so many fans, both here in the U.S. and abroad. After 13 amazing years with Angel's Envy, I'm retiring with great pride as I'm leaving the brand in the hands of the credible team that we've built. As a grandfather, father, and husband, I've reached the point where I'd like to spend more time with my family and take time to further my charitable and civic involvement. I know our family's legacy of craftsmanship, commitment, and making great bourbon will be carried forward with every bottle. So congratulations on your retirement, Wes. Yeah, that's awesome. Wes is, he was a great interview and always a gracious host to us. And uh, congratulations to him. He's a hardworking hustler like type, you know, that that Angel Envy story is a fascinating one. So if you haven't listened to it, uh, definitely tune in. But congratulations to him and his family. Yes, absolutely. So I, I just took a minute to look it up. So his last one he was with was episode 153. And his son, Kyle, was on episode 136. Uh, but Kyle was also, and, and Wes were actually on very, very early ones. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, Wes was actually one of our first episodes. If you go to episode six, that was one of the first episodes that we had with Wes when he was considered the chief innovation officer. So Yeah, I remember now we were in that conference room across from where the distillery is now. Like they didn't even have like their own uh, space they were waiting for it to be built so yeah, it, was, it was still being built yeah yeah that's that's gosh that back in the good old days yeah. oh yeah march march 18th of 2015 was when that one to release so that was that was some time ago holy cow no i know go back and listen to that one that's kind of before they even really got it was before the bacardi buyout it was before a lot of things that were happening there so and you can catch us asking stupid questions back yes in the early days the early ones where we sounded pretty bad pretty bad yep so we've talked about tourism. It's been growing. And this week, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail and the Craft Trail started releasing some of their numbers. And they said that total visits are up 160% from 2020. And of course, because of this whole thing called a pandemic, but it is still just below the pre-pandemic record that was set in 2019. Visitors are counted for more than 1.5 million tours at both the Kentucky Bourbon Trail and the Craft Distillery Tours last year, compared to a total of only 587,000 stops during the pandemic in 2020. And this is uh, only off about 13% from from the attendance record of 1.7 million set in 2019. They also noted that several of these destinations were closed or at limited capacity because of major expansion projects. Most notably, you had Jim Beam was closed for around 10 months while new construction of their $60 million tourism experience in Clermont 
was getting done and which is now open. Meanwhile, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail Craft Tour charted its best year ever in 2021 with more than 615,000 people in attendance. And that's an increase of 170% from 2020 and 40% higher than in 2019. And there are now 50 members that are advocating legislation in the General Assembly. Sorry, 50 members that are advocating for legislation in the General Assembly to further modernize bourbon tourism laws and help distillers continue to rebound from COVID and attract repeat visitors to the Commonwealth. Up and up. Yeah, I was surprised that they were down, but because everyone we had talked to that was saying how great of a year it was and how much more than pre-pandemic level it was. But then you say Jim Beam was closed for all that time. And then that's 10 probably months. where that's a, a huge hit. Cause that's probably one of the, probably the major. So if you probably took that into account, I bet it was right up there with 2019 and, you know, pre probably even more than, than that year as well. So, yeah, I know four roses was closed for a good amount of time too. Um, wild Turkey has been closed for a yeah, great portion true. of time. That's so I mean Old Forester was closed forever, you know, for the longest time. I think they're just started doing tours like maybe in the fall and stuff. So Yeah. That's impressive stats given how many people were closed. You know, especially when everybody said, Damn it, I can't get into a tour anywhere. Everything's full and booked up. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> or it's just closed. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you happen to be listening to this on, on Friday when it's coming out, even a lot of places today are closed because of the impending ice storm. So Hopefully your uh, your travel plans aren't too ruined and you're not just traveling around Kentucky listening to this going, oh, all our tours got canceled. But I'm glad you're listening with us anyway. So, yep. So we talked about this, I think, gosh, it was a last year at some point. I think I, I had to probably mentioned it when I used to do my news openings on the podcast. And that's that Jack Daniels and Nearest Green are they, they came together and they have what's called a, an advancement initiative. And so they had now celebrated Denord Social Spirits um, that was based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They produce gin, vodka, liqueurs, and whiskey. It is their first graduate of their business incubation program. And this is one of their core pillars of their initiative. So this particular Denord Social Spirits was the first business that was selected for the advancement initiative business program in 2020. And as a part of the program, they worked with industry experts to transform their branding, identity, and packaging, while also receiving mentoring from leaders at both Uncle Nearest and Brown Foreman. And through distributor networking opportunities, the distillery has increased its sales footprint and is now available in 10 states across the country. Additionally, they have also partnered with Delta Airlines to have its foundation vodka available on all domestic Delta flights. The nearest Jack, sorry, the nearest and Jack advancement initiative will soon begin accepting applications for the 2022 business incubation program. And more information can be found at nearestandjack.com. I should also mention that this is for uh, underrepresented distilleries and minorities that are in this category as well. Very cool. Yep. I love it. Yep. So, well, this is kind of, I, I talked about it at the very beginning as a headline, yet it's a little not bourbon-ish, but it is whiskey-ish. And that's talking about Diageo said that because of demand during the pandemic, it is now depleting their stocks of Crown Royal, Lagavulin Scotch, and Don Julio Tequila. And these best-selling brands can take months or years to age before hitting liquor store shelves, which makes it hard to quickly increase production. I think we know that. Diageo said it also hasn't had enough bottles to package up bullet bourbon to meet its demand, and it is separately grappling with higher costs for aluminum and cereal grains that go into the booze-making process. Shipping and energy bills have also climbed. To make up, Diageo is raising prices in some markets, including the U.S., and also going to be boosting ad spending for lines that are still plentiful in supply, like Johnny Walker. 
Interesting. So Johnny's down, but all those are up. Huh. Yep. And that's that's, it, it is kind of like a off balance sort of thing, right? Everybody like Johnny Walker is sort of the engine that pulls the train with them versus, you know, yeah, but I mean, it's, that's a huge portfolio stuff, but oh, gosh, I am yeah. not surprised that, you know, we, we think about our small little sliver and they've got to worry about something that's on a global scale. Yeah. I wonder how many cases Crown Royal sells per year. It's got to be, it's just, un, unfathomable. Yeah. That's, I don't even want, yeah, that's got to be a ton. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even think like our, our heads are just hurting to think about how big those numbers could be. So. That's right. So according to winesearcher.com, spirits generally had been on a roll for the past five years with more products attracting more interest across their search database. But the standout subcategory was whiskey, which had doubled down its market dominance. And within the whiskey category, the superstar has been, of course, bourbon. And in 2017, bourbon accounted for 15% of all spirit searches on winesearcher.com. By the following year, the number of bourbon searches had risen by 25%, but its total share of spirit searches had dropped to 14%. A 40% rise in searches in 2019 saw it maintain its 14% share of total spirit searches, while a 38% jump in 2020 saw its market share surge to about 16%. But for 2021, despite a 7% drop in searches, bourbon's share of total spirit searches actually rose to 17%. So while all other spirits are struggling to maintain the previous levels of interest, bourbon is actually growing. I know there was a lot of like percentages. In there. <laughs> if you didn't follow along, I don't blame you. But they did list the world's most wanted bourbons on Wine Searcher. I'll, I'll let oh, you give a, I was, I'll give, give a guess here. My, my first comment was how many times, how many of those searches were for Blanton's? That was the number one. Number yeah, one right uh, there was Blanton's surprise, surprise. And it has an a- average price of $155. That's amazing. All right. The what do you damn horse number? keeps striking. I know. What do, you, what do you think was number two? It's got to be Pappy, right? You think it would. It's actually George T. Stagg. No way. Really? Huh. Yes. It says George T. Stagg, and well, I agree. that has an average price of around $1,671. Great value. Yeah. Uh, actually, Van Winkle doesn't come in here for a little bit. So it goes Blanton's, George T. Stagg. Number three was Stagg Jr. Number four, William LaRue Weller. Number five. <laughs> so clean sweep from Sagarak. Uh It keeps going, my friend. Number five was W.O. Weller 12-year. Number six is Van Winkle 23-year, which has an average price of $6,821. Number seven, Old Rip Van Winkle 10-year. Number eight, Eagle Rare 10-year, just regular Eagle Rare, not even the 17, just Eagle Rare 10. Then you finally have an outlier here at number nine, which is the Four Roses Limited Edition Small Batch. Hey, we did it. And then back at number 10 to wrap it up is Happy 15. Does, people just think bourbon, only Sazerac makes bourbon. <laughs> no one else is. That's what I guess a lot of general public thinks. That's funny that they Literally, had that, the top 10, nine out of the 10 uh, most searched bourbons. That's crazy. Literally everybody else in the industry is just flying right the radar. If that's what it, if that's what it is. Like, <laughs> I know. that, And it just shows probably why too, like, you know, those Planting shortages and whatever are probably real because of this. So, um, yeah, that's fascinating stats right there. It's a lot you can do with with those search datas. They're every other distillery besides Four Roses of the you know is way bigger than Buffalo Trace, and it's just amazing that 
yeah. But there was oh, yeah. good. So Heaven Hill pumps out so much stuff. I mean, there's there's so many brands that are out there. But I guess it's I don't know. It's like when you when you think of a marketing strategy, it's it's do you put a lot of eggs in one basket? Like Sazerac, they put a bunch of bourbon that goes into the standard Buffalo Trace offering, but that particular mash bill also goes to a lot of different bottles that they're doing. Not to say that Heaven Hill is doing anything differently, but they definitely have a lot more focus on like their big flagship brands and making it super, super large scale and making sure that you're in every single airport across the world and it's visible and, and stuff like that. So you have a, a different strategy when you're, when you're trying to figure out what do you do with the stocks that, you know, at your disposal. That's amazing. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I still can't believe it's not out 10, but that it doesn't surprise me, but it, that was a great stat. I liked it. Yeah. Well, I think if it's, it's one of those things that there's not anybody else that's coming out with an antique or a Van Winkle collection every year that is as that's highly true. sought after. Like, I mean, other than, you know, well, I don't know. you have like the birthday bourbon four rows of small batch. You got Parker's. Yeah. But that's, that's but, one, that's one bottling, right? Like think of if there were, you know, five different versions of Old Forester birthday bourbon that came out every year, you might have a little bit more, I guess, I don't want to say marketing grab or some sort of gravitational pull that people are looking at. I think we've talked about it before on, you know, round tables that if if Jim Beam would make an equivalent of the antique collection, they could potentially pull in a, a big premium. And that's something that you know, anybody that if you have the stocks, you might think about doing something like that. Yeah. That's the company. Yeah. That has the brands already positioned because they're just like similar to Buffalo Trace, Knob Creek, you know, Booker's dirt and, uh, basil, uh, gosh, Baker's and basil Hayden's and those, they, they all have, they're great in that mid tier kind of price, just like Eagle rare. And you know, those names you say, and then you could easily, make a, you know, a 15 year version of each and put a $300 price tag on it or more. And people would love it. They would. They sure would. But I'll ask you another question, Ryan. This comes from 750.com. <laughs> Can't wait. Do you think spirits need to be sustainable to sell? <laughs> I hate this word sustainable because it's <laughs> like, there's, there's always going to be waste to no matter what you do. And I don't know. Well, let me tell you some... We're we're all for... I'm all for sustainability in a smart kind of way, but yeah. It doesn't have to be sustainable to exist. What, you saying out there, just let's let's go and just drain the ocean. Now I'm going to get emails I don't care about environment. (laughs) Let's drain the ocean of whales. We don't need them anymore. (laughs) That's right. No, so this is uh, some research that was published by the Cary Group back in July of 2021, and it shows an overall trend towards more mindful purchasing in the food and beverage space, finding that around 49% of consumers reported that they now consider sustainability credentials when they're buying food and drink. And that's based on a survey around 14,000 consumers in 18 different countries. This trend is also reflected in the beverage alcohol space in particular. According to consumer research by the IWSR, which you might remember Brandy, who was on the podcast at one point too, around 48% of U.S. alcohol drinkers report that a company's sustainability and environmental initiatives positively influence their purchasing decisions. To meet this increasing demand for a sustainably made product, Brown Foreman's brands have implemented some new initiatives. Those include Jack Daniels, which num- which runs a number of zero-waste initiatives, and Herradura, which another tequila, where the team is capturing gas from the company's wastewater treatment plant to use as an energy source for their manufacturing process. 
However, it seems unlikely that major retailers will remove established brands from their inventory due to a lack of environmental clout. But for emerging distillers, sustainability standards could mean the difference between achieving success and getting left behind. It's an increasingly competitive market, and sustainability initiatives offer a competitive advantage that may just be the key to winning favor of retailers and consumers alike. Oh, so you gave your answer. I'll, I'll kind of give my thought about this as well. Is It's just one more facet of things that if you want to look at a marketing angle, sure, do it. But <laughs> yeah. most people that are... It, Buzzword it, right now. Yeah, I mean, but here's the thing is that most people, like if you're not at a, if you're not a facility that's big enough that has an initiative where you can achieve, you know, zero carbon emissions, if you're a small distillery or if you're somebody like us that's an NDP, a lot of that stuff's out of your control. Like you can't right. do anything. Uh, so there's there's a lot of things that that has to go into that. And not only that is if you do have this initiative of being, you know, I I, I do I do want to preface that and say yes, everybody should be environmentally conscious and, and not just, you know, sending smokestacks in the air. Yeah, just I'm not for, I'm not for <laughs> dumping sludge in the river. <laughs> yeah. it's like within reason, we can be sustainable. <laughs> Put this toxic wastewater somewhere, get rid of it. No, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that you have to be a little mindful of it, but for the majority of consumers out there, I don't think that it's going to be a, a huge turn on or turn off. It's, it mostly is for, it could be for tax purposes for a lot of these companies too. They get, Yep. Uh, initiatives. Yeah, they get all kinds of incentives by the government to kind of get to there. So it, it's it's a double edged sword. You know, you, you kind of you kind of do it for the sustainability of the business, and you do it for tax incentives. And you might get somebody like us to talk about it, but beyond there, you're going to go look at a label and it says, "Oh, this bottle is vegan and has zero <laughs> carbon emissions." Like, like, no, I'm only waiting in line for vegan bottles. You know, <laughs> none of those Blantons who they waste the all that resources on those horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who like how like how much, you know, stuff actually go into, you know, stamping those horses every single time. Like I mean, like, look how much data? manpower is wasted on those hand bottling of the horses. We gotta protest Blanton's in every single <laughs> barrel that's ever been made because it is inefficient. <laughs> it is. It is. All the all this the is... manpower <laughs> that goes into hand bottling every single one of those. Yeah, gosh. Yep. Well, I uh, I will tell you though that if you do not know bourbon is actually vegan, so don't don't feel like you and gluten free, like, oh, just yeah. like Tito's it's, and every other distilled spirits. It's all of that. It's all of that. I'm I wonder if on Wine Searcher did they put like in parentheses must be sustainable when searching for all those <laughs> a, a filter button. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sustainable distilleries. Nope, none. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs> So I always add a, a fun story in here if I, if I find one, and this is this is definitely one of them. So, uh, you know, the, you have a lot of like cool devices that are out there today. You can go and you can go to Amazon. You can kind of get you know, blood alcohol breathalyzers that you can put on a keychain and stuff like that. But there's now a bracelet that will tell you when you have been drinking too much alcohol. And this could become the best new way to help people pace themselves on a night out. So researchers at Penn State's Department of Biobehavioral Health recently measured intoxication with an ankle bracelet that can detect alcohol concentration from impersonable amounts of sweat. And the research pinpointed of how a person's blood alcohol content can be estimated on the skin because around 1% of alcohol consumed is excreted in sweat and the concentration of alcohol in sweat is similar to the concentration in blood. So huh. that's why I feel better after a sauna or steam room. You session. feel better after that? After a, after a hangover. But I, I do wonder, like, if you're, if you're going to wear this out, you're going for, like, you know, 
I will dance at the club if if the too much sweat is gonna <laughs> if it's gonna you know skew your results and you're like I'm dilute only, that. <laughs> yeah, I'm only like three Jello shops deep, and it's telling me to slow down here. Sorry, honey, gotta go. I'm, gotta <laughs> leave the dance floor. Had too many. My my watch says I'm too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> when smart technology goes bad. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I had this. I did this like beta app last year where it's like you try to program your drinks per day and uh you know it asks you like every hour have you drank today and you put a glass if you had thumbs down if you hadn't and then and then like you know it'd be like well this day i'm only gonna drink like three and then you drink three and you're like crap you know and it's like hold on now you've already had three don't drink another <laughs> and i'm like shut up app i'm gonna drink another one you know my mom i'm not listening to you yeah <laughs> so i deleted it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would last about a week and a half. Yeah, somebody's gonna look at their watch, and be like, "Yeah, I know what you're saying, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. I still got, I still got more left in me here. Yep, I can still see straight. I do have one of those keychains. It is cool. Uh, yeah, the, the the blood alcohol ones. That's that's a fun little nice little thing to have. I agree. So that I, I Uber everywhere. Go to Amazon. So. Just pick one up. Yep. All right. So here's the last. Fun one for the evening or day or whenever you're driving, listen to this. So Colin Stevenson, he's a 33-year-old considered serial thief. And he said that he was given 100 pounds in cash by a gangland boss to steal some 336 pounds worth of whiskey from a lawyer in Lancashire. So police caught the gang five miles down the road using a tracker that was having been alerted by a worker. Describing the scene in court, Chloe O'Hara, the prosecuting person, said that the vehicle was fitted with a tracker and the police located it in Edinburgh Road, Newhouse. Officers saw that the cab was detached and the trailer containing the whiskey was now attached to another tractor unit. Only the driver was present when the vehicle was stopped, but Stevenson's DNA was found. And he later admitted to the theft in May and was jailed for 32 months at the Hamilton Sheriff Court. That's kind of like 32 a, months. Well, 32 months. I mean, I guess that is almost three years. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say for <laughs> two and a half. But here's the thing is like, I don't know if you caught it in there. It was kind of like a, a little bit of, I want to say like an Italian job in there because A, because it's like in, you know, England or whatever, but <laughs> not, not part, Italy, <laughs> not Italy. Uh, but the other part was that it, you know, they, they, he had everything in a truck and then they, the, the trailer was detached and then added into a different truck. So they tried to like change the trucks of like who was driving it and, and tried to throw people off the case, but I guess it didn't work. Yeah. It was like a CSI episode or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some, somebody in like the port was switching out ship or, or whatever carrot containers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I get you. With that, it was uh gosh, was it die hard? Whichever one, when they're coming out of the ground, and you know they he had said like this this he was like this is better than Fort Knox and then they had the truck that was full of gold yeah I've never but seen it was Die Hard like, I'm not gonna yeah. help you oh golly it, maybe it was Die Hard with a Vengeance anyway there was like six different dump trucks and there was only one that was supposed to be filled with gold but they had six of them go out and then the cops couldn't figure out which one it was <laughs> but they had to look and see which one was weighed down the most I know I'm going going off on a tangent there so same concept but exactly. with bourbon yeah. yeah. Except this is not the Italian job. All right, let's take a break and we'll be back with some bourbon release news. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? 
give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon, the farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S.com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for some bourbon release news, and we're going to tell you what's been happening with, well, of course, the latest bottles that are hitting the shelves and the ones that we get press releases for that we can tell you all about. So you can go and hound your liquor store owners, and you can get in line and uh, you know start pulling those favors. But the first one is that Woodford has released its Double Double Oaked Bourbon, because double oaked isn't enough. You need double double the oak. And this year, <laughs> consumers can win the opportunity to purchase a bottle. It's the first time that Woodford Reserve has offered a nationwide sweepstakes for one of its most highly sought-after bourbons. So consumers who win the sweepstakes will have the ability to buy a bottle of Double Double Oaked from the Woodford Reserve Distillery in Versailles, Kentucky. Not Versailles. We went over that earlier. It's Versailles, Kentucky. Consumers may enter the sweepstakes now through February 8th, and winners will be chosen at random and notified by February 10th. And winners will be able to buy their bottle in person from the distillery before April 10th. Is it sustainable though? Because double double oak, that's a lot of, that's three barrels. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is a lot of double doubles. I mean, I think, didn't we talk to Chris Morse one time and they said they did it like a triple oak and it just was like, ah, it was too much or something like that. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot of wood that goes into just getting a lot of that, that punch in the flavor. And I did see that did they did also have a, a smaller release at the distillery and there were lines of a hundred or so people out there, and I think it was like fifty dollars for a three seven five. Is is what yeah, it goes that's typically for. what those are. But yeah, I don't think I've ever had the double double oak or triple oak, but the we love the double oaked for sure. Yeah, yeah, we we had it. We recently did another podcast recording that'll be out here in like the next uh, eight to twelve months, where <laughs> <laughs> where we kind of talked about uh, just toasted barrel offerings, and we actually did a blind tasting of a few of them and figured out which one will come on top. But we won't spoil that for you. You'll have to you'll have to listen to that. And it's not really eight to twelve months. It might be you know three months, and we'll release it. But it will come out because that's how we do things around here. So we already talked about Uncle Nearest, but hey, guess what? They're back with some more news, and they are releasing their long-awaited new packaging that's containing whiskey that was 100% distilled, aged, and bottled by Uncle Nearest. 
as well as they're unveiling their 2022 slate of whiskeys, which use four different recipes. So in addition to its current portfolio of core and distillery exclusives, this year Nearest Green will release Uncle Nearest Rye, Uncle Nearest Single Barrel Rye, and a new, more widely available Uncle Nearest Single Barrel Whiskey. Among the greatest change to the new packaging is the replacement of the sketch of the property where Nearest originally distilled by the insignia of the Nearest Green Distillery, which boasts a dram of whiskey encased by a horseshoe. Uh, that also signifies its iron Tennessee roots. But Victoria Eddie Butler is a fifth generation Nearest Green descendant, and she also added a note and her signature to the front of every new released bottle. The company revealed also on social media that their plans to turn all of the original bottles into collector's items, encouraging buyers to go and clear the shelves of the prelude Uncle Nearest bottles and make way for the new additions. The seven bottles of their 2022 whiskey will be first released at the uh, Nearest Green Distillery in Shelbyville, Tennessee, with the 1884 small batch debuting last or it already debuted, and those will begin to ship in markets across the country. Now, of That's course, awesome. it's always it's always cool to kind of see that sort of stuff. I did find a little weird. It's kind of weird to say uh, we are going to encourage everybody to go and clear the shelves like, because they want to because they did a new packaging and they're going to say, OK, since we have a new packaging, these old ones, these are collector's items. So go and clear the shelves so we can get rid of the inventory and resell new stuff. Yeah. Cunning. Very smart. Very smart. Yeah. But I mean, congratulations to them. It t as we know, it takes a long time to get your new make going and get it filled and get it out on market. So excited for them. That's a, uh, you know, that's awesome. I mean, I do love their marketing. It's like in Kentucky, it's, I can't remember the billboard exactly, but it says like most awarded bourbon that, and it's not from Louisville or something, or I don't from Kentucky. I actually um, left that out of there. There, there was a whole thing in the press release. It's <laughs> like in 2021, it got 320 something awards and it's like, golly, the, you must be finding award shows that I've never even heard of before just to submit it and get some sort of label or medallion because I, I only know of like five. I, I don't know any more beyond that. Yeah, a lot of medals out there to be earned. Yeah. So it just goes to show that if we create our own tasting committee and our own award show, we're going to have at least one entrant. We know it's going to be <laughs> near a screen. That's right. Because they, they enter everything. So why not? I think I get that gold. Yeah. So we had talked about this as kind of our, our other headline when we always try to choose one headline that is about a new release whiskey, and that's Rabbit Hole. And they've unveiled their inaugural release of their distillery series, sorry, distillery series, and this is their Starlino Rye Whiskey. So this Ooh. new range is made of limited edition small batch cash strength bottlings. And so Rabbit Hole Starlino is a sour mash rye that was finished in vermouth casks from Italy's Hotel Starlino Starlino Rosso. And before we go any further, I have to put the, I have to say this. I am probably one of the biggest advocates of Starlino Vermouth. I love it. I'm like a huge, huge fan of it. And I, I got caught wind of it last year because when I found out that it's come, it literally comes from a hotel in Italy and they age vermouth for a period of time in bourbon barrels, I was like, this is consider me sold consider me sold. yeah you gave me you got me a bottle and i was hooked that stuff is great for manhattans yeah. i mean i thought i made a good manhattan before with antica or was it no yeah. kochi i'm antica, a kochi i thought this this beats it all yeah i, I agree that starlino stuff's awesome so uh arrive finished in a yeah yeah I, I, keep I, going. Got, I got i got caught up i yeah i'm just i'm like a big i'm a big advocate of this this 
And they don't pay me to say this. Like, this is that's a really great vermouth. So anyway, this vermouth is a blend of Marsala and Trebbiano wines, which is infused with botanicals and then undergoes a secondary six-month maturation in bourbon barrels. The casks were then shipped to Rabbit Hole to finish this 95% rye for a six-month period. It's bottled at 52.8%, and it is priced at $50 for a three seven five. So I'd love I'm, to try. I'm it. thinking I'm have to go get a bottle. Like uh, yeah. it's it's well, at the distillery, so I'm gonna have to run down there and get a bottle. Can I ride with you? I yeah. One. Well, yeah, we'll have to wait for this ice to get away, maybe, and then we'll go down there. Yeah, Starlino, they're not. Yeah, they're not owned by Pernod or anything. So they're no. just a small. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that they found them. Yeah, literally just a hotel in Italy that does their own vermouth. That's wild. That's awesome for Starlino. Yeah. So if you want to just go and Google it, like it's Star and then Lino, L-I-N-O, and they've got a website and you can buy it and you can buy it here in the States and have it shipped to your door. That's what we did because there was nothing in the state of Kentucky that you could find, but I was able to have it shipped here to my house. So, and there's actually, you get uh, pretty good price discounts when you start buying like above five bottles. So keep that in mind. You really save a lot of money on shipping. Just a little, you know, pro tip there for you. All right. So holiday season's coming around. When I say holiday season, I meant St. Patrick's Day. And Stoli of Kentucky Owl is announcing their release of their St. Patrick's Limited Edition Bourbon Whiskey. And this is their celebration of long-standing ties that connect Irish and Kentucky whiskey making. So known for their sourcing of scarce and rare-aged Kentucky bourbons and blending them to create unique limited-run batches, the Kentucky Owl St. Patrick's Limited Edition features carefully selected barrels of Kentucky bourbon blended through the Irish eyes. So for this special release, Kentucky Owl Master Blender John Rhea partnered with Luis McGuane, Ireland's first modern whiskey bottler and founder of J.J. Corey Irish Whiskey. Irish whiskey bonding is a way of blending that was commonplace during the 19th and 20th centuries when most Irish distilleries produced whiskey for bonders to age, blend, and bottle. But Rhea and McGuane blind-tasted individual cask samples then, again through multiple blending variations. The result features a Kentucky straight bourbon aged 4 to 11 years. And this project extends beyond this release and at these chosen Kentucky Owl barrels will be transported back to Ireland, or not back, but they will be transported to Ireland for McGuane or McGuan. I should probably figure out that for butchering his name You'll too many times. Yeah, there's, I'm going to get some more DMs that says, Kenny, you can't pronounce these things properly. But anyway, they're going to get those barrels to fill with future releases of Irish whiskey. And the Kentucky Owl St. Patrick's Day Limited Edition Bourbon Whiskey will be bottled at 100 proof. It has an SRP of $135. So top of the morning to you. Yeah, that's, yeah, I saw that and I was like, man, I guess they're slowly copying off of Smoke Wagon with, the, with you know, their- the Halloween bottles. And I'm like, this is interesting. Like, I'm trying to understand. Like, is this going to be a thing? Is this going to be a thing where like, every holiday is going to have some sort of special bourbon release to it? I mean, you know, I guess Hallmark stores are closing, so bourbon brands are like, you know, let's hop on that train. Get, somebody's you know, got to fill the void. Somebody's <laughs> got to fill the void. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around this one, but uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the bottle too. It's like a green label. I mean, with shamrocks and stuff. It's like totally yeah. off brand for Kentucky Out. It is, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll see this. Like, you have Barrel that does the New Year stuff. You had Smoke Wagon that did Halloween. I think Smoke Wagon also did a Christmas one. And then you've got the St. Patrick's Day. Like, yeah, you're going to have to find, we need St. Valentine's Day, or (laughs) we need Valentine's Day. We're having having Easter. 
We're going to have like Rosh Hashanah. Like you keep going. Like there's, there's so many things. Didn't Black Evan Williams do like a 4th of July one? 4th of or... July. Yep. So there you go. I guess, I guess maybe it's just, we're just now noticing it because <laughs> it has been going on for a little Which bit. holiday can, do you have to like go claim it first and like before anybody else does? I don't think anybody can claim the 4th of July. We'll do an Easter bottle. <laughs> Instead of United, gotta... it'll be in a, like, like the opaque pastel color yeah pastel blue or some baby blue (laughs) for easter or maybe a peep on top oh there you go now you're start gluing peeps on there so this is the other kind of last fun one when it comes to just random news of things and uh you know we've talked about different things like the fresca hard and other things like that. And, you know, Pepsi and Boston Beer Company, they announced they were going to release Hard Mountain Dew, which is a new 5% ABV spin on the classic Mountain Dew soda brand. But that hasn't even been released yet. And they've already added a new variety. And that's Hard Mountain Dew Baja Blast. This is billed as the surprise fourth flavor with the initial flavors that were original black cherry and watermelon. So the Hard Baja Blast is an alcoholic spin on the beloved Mountain Dew variety that began as a Taco Bell exclusive. And all four flavors will be available in a 12-can variety pack, launching in a limited number of states starting next month, according to the brand. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised it took that long to get a Mountain Dew one. I thought they would be, like, early on, because <laughs> it just, just screams, like, extreme. Yeah, like, yeah, we got the like, lake and wakeboard <laughs> with our Baja Blue Mountain Dew <laughs> and seltzer or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. How much caffeine and sugar in those? Good be. question. I don't really know. It's It's got to do something to keep you awake. Yeah, that's, I love it. Yeah. I'm going right. to have it at the lake next time, so. I, I might as well, like, I'll do anything once for science. Yep. Just to test it out. So we could end here, but... I saw a really good, it's a little bit longer. There's really nothing to discuss, but I think it's just a good tidbit to kind of put it out there. And if you like this, I would encourage you to go and sign up for Wilderness Trails email newsletter. And if you haven't done yet, also go sign up for our newsletter. Just go to burnpursuit.com and you're never going to miss an episode. But this is an article that came from Dr. Pat Heist. And if you want to know more about yeast, here you go. So the question is beer or whiskey? He said, this is a question that's often asked, and my advice would be to get one of each and still can't decide. Well, let's take a moment to talk about some differences between yeast used for making beer versus used for making whiskey. In an earlier uh, article, he also said that when he orders a whiskey, he always actually likes to have a, a light beer. He likes to have a Bud Light to drink it with because it cleanses his palate. So hmm. now you hear that from... Of course, Pat does. <laughs> yeah, I know. What, what a rock star, right? He's a badass. <laughs> he really is. What, what man can... Yeah, I'm jealous already. All right. So first we'll start with the beer and the beer yeast. So beer is a delicious libation that's made by steeping milled malted grains, mostly often barley or wheat, in hot water and then removing the solids in a process called laudering to make it a clear wort. The sweet wort, and sweet because it's got a lot of sugar and taste, uh, is then further heated and cooled and yeast is then added that ferments the sugar, creating the alcohol to make the beer. And after fermentation, which can sometimes take weeks depending on the beer, the contents are bottled or kegged for consumption. But when choosing a yeast for making beer, there are several considerations. Obviously, beer producers want a more flavorful product. So choosing a yeast strain that gives off chemical compounds like esters that impart fruity, banana, or clove notes may be desired. But this is going to depend on the type of the beer being made. And there's lots of choices, such as ales, stouts, lagers, and pilsners. However, another term that's related to yeast is attenuation. And this refers to the amount of sugar utilized during fermentation. 
A yeast that is fully attenuated means that it will use up most of all of the available sugars, resulting in a higher alcohol beer. If you want a beer that is sweeter, use a yeast with a lower attenuation, and that will leave behind some sugars. Another term that is also often important for beer yeast is flocculation. This refers to whether the yeast will settle out of a solution or not. And if a brewer wants, to, wants a beer to be clear, as is normally the case for lagers and pilsners, you would use a yeast that settles out of solution. And some beers, think like a wheat beer, are normally cloudy, so that yeast settles out of the solution is really less important. Since beer is made from a clear wort, the yeast can be collected from the bottom of the fermenter and reused, which also gets back to whether the yeast is actually easily settled out of the solutions or not. But this just scratches the surface of all the possibilities for making beer, and that gives you a few tidbits of information relative to the yeast. So what makes a great whiskey yeast? Well, we have to move on to this and start looking at the several different types of whiskey. You got scotch, Irish, bourbon, and there's a lot of different things, but really this is going to focus on bourbon. So bourbon like beer starts with quality milled grains, but instead of one grain, there's multiple ones in bourbon, which of course, 51% being corn, at least the majority of it. Rye, wheat, and barley comprise the other grains. Most of the grain that goes into making bourbon is not malted, which is another thing that, that differs from beer and the resulting mash contains every part of the grain which is left during fermentation, unlike where we discussed for beer wort. Thus, the mash is used to make bourbon is called whole mash. And after the high temperature and mashing process, the whole mash is fermented grain on and distilled grain on. As with beer yeast, we want that yeast that will give good flavor. Think about classic vanilla, caramel, and nutty flavors associated with a good bourbon. But unlike, your, unlike the beer yeast, which might, believe, might leave behind some sugars, for bourbon, we want to use a yeast that has full attenuation, because any leftover sugars go out the door with stillage, leftover water and grain after distillation, so we want to maximize the alcohol production by utilizing all the sugars. Since we are fermenting in a whole mash, we aren't going to be recycling yeast from one batch to the next. Thus, flocculation isn't something we care much about when making bourbon whiskey. So there's your little yeast tidbit and little nugget of information that you can take home with you this weekend. It still amazes me that people figure this stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you have to do to go and research this? I, I, I know. It's a yeah, lot. It's wild. It is. It is. But thank you so we can have uh, tasty drinks. And thank you, Pat, for, for writing all that and allowing us to basically just, you know, plagiarize and copy it and tell, to tell people the entire world. Yeah, so, Kenny actually wrote that. He's yeah, I, I did. I did. You can go check it out. I've got a book and a, a, new, a new company I'm starting. It's called... Um, firm solutions but with a z on the end of it so you can just go. And, and kenny just drank a shot of bourbon with a beer too <laughs> stouts only my friend stouts only. that's all right but that's gonna do it for this week in bourbon uh we had a lot of great stories we kind of covered and we'll be back again next week with some more bourbon news but until then cheers <laughs>